Welcome to No More Mondays, the podcast that helps you navigate career challenges through the wisdom of professionals who have been at the same crossroads. I'm your host, Angie Callen, and I welcome you to join me each week as I chat with leaders, entrepreneurs, and employees who are here to share their practical, tactical advice and some inspiration on how they arrived at career and life satisfaction. From job searching and career changes to going out on your own, we are breaking down barriers and providing actionable takeaways to help you take charge of your Mondays and ditch those Sunday blues. Welcome to No More Mondays. Hello, everybody, and welcome to No More Mondays. You know who I am. I'm your host, Angie Callen. There's a recurring theme that's been popping up in my world lately, and it circles around this idea that the beliefs that become rooted in us at an early age can carry through with us into the future. And we tend to see them as truths without ever stopping and questioning whether or not they actually have a basis in reality. However, what's been popping up for me is is this concept that if you're willing to look at those beliefs, the things that we're conditioned by when we're young can reshape who we are, what we believe about ourselves, and how we show up in the world. And that is exactly what Laban Ditchburn has done and is doing in his own life. He defines the word transformation. Laban has overcome a childhood badly affected by divorce and the subsequent escapism, negative validation, and that full gamut of addiction that comes when trying to figure out how to exist in the world. He finally figured out how to embrace self-discovery, create a new belief system, and lean into his potential. He is now in charge of his own destiny. He's helping others do the same. As world's best courage coach, Laban is a learner, a conqueror, a podcaster, and a trainer best known for his podcasting heroes movement. And I am super excited to have him here today. Laban, welcome to No More Mondays. This sounds like a handsome, charismatic, and yet humble man. I like the sound of this guy. Thanks for having me. Who also who also has a fantastic accent. It is easy to listen to. So there you go. You just charged right onto the scene. Man, what a what a challenge it would be if you grew up in an accent. I don't know which one it is. Where where it grated on people's ears rather than was pleasant to listen to. I'll take- oh, there's plenty of American ones of those. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and as, as all of you out there can't tell, we have had the chance to catch up on numerous occasions, including Shameless Plug. Uh, we recorded my guest appearance on uh, Podcasting Heroes just actually earlier this week. Become Your Own Superhero is the podcast Become Your Own name. Superhero podcast. Podcasting Heroes is the movement. Movement. Yeah. Love it. Uh, we recorded my my appearance earlier this this week. I don't know if they're going to drop at the same time, but I feel like these conversations are fresh in our in our head. And I know the two of us can cover a lot of ground. So we're going to get into it. Uh, I you know, I've been lucky to get a little glimpse into your backstory just from our conversations. But I think you'll have everybody out there to understand a little bit more about you and where you come from. So give us that like Reader's Digest version, the important moments that have you sitting here with me today. Well, you, you touched on it at the, as part of your introduction about the being a child of divorce and the associated escapism that I developed in my own life that started out with TV and movies and computer games. And then as I sort of progressed into my teenage years, sort of 15, 16 years of age, found an affinity for alcohol and the, the warm, fuzzy feeling that I got and the safety that I felt being in that environment and that progressed into drugs in my early 20s and then basically pathological gambling of all sorts 
and sort of crescendoed when I was 35 years of age, which is seven years ago now, and where I ground along the floor of rock bottom and finally, you know, abruptly stopped and realized that the direction that my life was heading was the complete opposite of what I imagined for myself as a young man. And that kicked off a transformative series of events that started this amazing healing journey in my own thinking where I was very blessed to be able to discover the root cause of why I wanted to escape so much. And then because I was able to reverse engineer, which I know you'll love that word, uh, the, the root cause of it, I was able to knock all the addictions on the head effortlessly. I never had to go through any 12-step program. I never had to rely on any medications or any of that stuff. I was able to figure the stuff out for myself. And I'm very proud to stand before you today and share that on August 26, 2023, I'll be celebrating seven years of sobriety and longer for the other stuff. So that's that's the Reader's Digest Cliff Notes. Woohoo! And there's a little, there's a few extra tidbits in there. I know that on the professional side, I, I want to touch on, but and and you know, without going into like, I would say gory details. I, I want to understand. I think more from a mental emotional perspective, how you knew it was time to change. So that kind of like everybody's definition of rock bottom is a little bit different. And I know there's somebody out there listening who's got this inkling. Right. They're like, things aren't right. I need to change. Am I close to rock bottom? But maybe they won't take that first step to take care of themselves and to force themselves into change. So uh, I, I want to know, how did you know it was time? So I, I have developed a very, very strong connection to source after being somewhat atheistic for quite a long time. And I believe that God, the universe, whatever your interpretation of that might be, gives us gentle nudges that very rarely we pay attention to until God just goes whack. And that for me was in 2015 and I was at home back in Australia and Melbourne and it's like midnight and I have lots of red wine coursing its way through my veins and smashing into my poor old liver. And I was gambling on a horse race in Hong Kong with money that wasn't mine to lose. And it was at that moment that I had this sort of epiphanous clarity where it was like, this is not the direction that my life is supposed to be going. And and on the screen, and like the, the, the type of degeneracy from a gambling perspective, I, I didn't even have the racing on a television screen. I was just F5-ing my refresh button <laughs> just to see whether I'd won. And in the bottom left-hand corner of the screen, talk about a, a pivotal moment, it was a phone number that I'd never seen before, even though I'd been on that same website many, many times before. And I just picked up my cell phone, Angie, and I just rang this number. It was for the Gambler's Helpline. And this woman, her name was Mary. I don't know her last name, and I'm going to give her a last name and call her Mary Magdalene because she was a guardian angel, whether she knew it or not. And she was the first person that I think ever really listened to me without judgment. She let me finish after I sort of verbally diarrheaed everything onto her. And, you know, there was tears and emotion, and, and but she shared with me a sobering fact. And it was sobering because I'll never forget it as long as I live. And she said that pathological gamblers experience suicide at rates far greater than alcoholism or drug use, some of the other addictive behaviors. And I, it scared the pants off me. And that, that incredible moment pivoted me to a free 
gamblers counselling run by the Salvation Army in Australia, which was funded by the taxes from gambling losses, which is one of the first times in my life I actually was up. And that kicked off this healing journey where over the next 18 months that I was with her, I was able to knock the gambling on the head at the end of 2015. I put a, an incurable auto, autoimmune disease that I had into full remission. And then I gave up alcohol in 2016. And, and as my mind and body and spirit started to heal, my connection to source started to improve. I started being a better human being and started doing way less stupid stuff. And, you know, proud to, to be the man I am and very grateful for everything that I went through, including all the hard stuff, because it's given me the fuel source and this gift of adversity that I've been able to use as powerful, credible anecdotes that I can use to help inspire other people to take bold, massive and courageous action that, that want help. And that's the key word. You have to want help. You have to, be, have to be in a place of enough discomfort where you're going to do something about it. And I liken it to people quibbling over the cost of a root canal or a tooth extraction. But if you've got a broken tooth and an exposed nerve, you'll do whatever it takes to get that bad boy removed. And I was willing to do whatever it took. And thankfully, my path was a relatively seamless one, if you can call it that. Well, I love that you picked up on... And just so you all know that the 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 lead in the intro to this conversation was read live before we started talking. And I I love that you picked up on and you also agree with that idea of those common themes that show up on our life, because I do truly believe they are the source, God, higher power, universe, whatever you tend to identify with. Uh, signaling something to us. And I've, I've been there too when I didn't want to listen to those subtle recurring themes that I now know to pay attention to. I got smacked upside the head real hard, very similar to that moment uh, with you in, in 2015. And I think what is so amazing is then you got that non judgmental support system that gave you uh, the, the ability to sustain the change and the, and the other, and there's a couple other points I, I want to make. And I want to talk about in there because, you know, one thing I think that's important to flag here is this didn't happen overnight. Yes. The decision, the choice, so many things in our lives are a choice. The choice to change was immediate. It was instant. However, there was an 18 month process where you intentionally worked on yourself and stayed focused on that that choice and goal and, and goal to change, but it wasn't an overnight transformation. No. And, and look, realistically, Angie, 18 months was the time frame of when I was able to, to start the healing process and give up the addictions, but it's been an ongoing journey because you've got to undo and unravel so much of the conditioning that you experience growing up in poverty, which is super character building, but then you grow up with people that have a poverty mindset, that tends to do more of the damage. You grow up with all these this, these conditions and, and limitations on what you think you can actually do in the world when you have no exposure to some of the world that I have exposure to now. You just don't know any, any better. You don't understand about the significance of having to set super rigid boundaries with yourself and with other people, including family members. And that's been one of the challenges I've had to deal with. Like how aggressive do I go when it comes to allowing people into my life that don't serve me very well? And maybe I've erred on the side of over-the-topness, 
but it's part, it's necessary and people may not agree with that. But for me, it's been a real catalyst for my success and not just life, but in emotionally and spiritually and physically. So you brought up another recurring theme that's been showing up, which is this idea of like your scarcity versus abundance mindset, fixed versus growth mindset, or just that idea that, uh, that positivity or the, or the positive hope and connection with believing that you can change or you can achieve this goal or you can overcome the adversity can statistically like statistically change for the better the outcome. And I think that's so interesting when it comes to then surrounding yourself with the people who are going to support and perpetuate that kind of mindset. So how have you worked through that piece? Because I, as you change and significant change as an, as an adult tends to move you into a new phase where, where a lot of times people kind of don't fit that we're with you in the other phase. How have you kind of worked through and reconciled that? Fascinating question. And what I can honestly tell you is that, especially when I gave up drinking, I lost, I use that term loosely, 98.5% of my social circle. And for, for clarity and transparency, I was high functioning. Like I had a good job. I used to work in IT recruitment, earning six figures. I used to wish people happy birthday on their Facebook page. You know, I used to use a lot of self-deprecating humor because I thought it made me endearing and likable and all this other stuff. And when you start to realize that these things aren't serving you well, the people that are in the same space, they don't like it. And, you know, in the first six months, we'd go to the pub and I'd given up and you'd get excluded from being offered a water. And then all of a sudden, the appeal of going to the pub because you're not hammered drunk or putting lines of coke up your nose like, it's like, what am I even doing here? Well, that was your common link to all of them, right? Now you don't have anything in common. Right. And it's, it's a really great, it's a great way to reveal who are the, the necessary people in your life. And it's not that they're bad people. Like, some of them did some bad stuff, but so did I. But, like, they're inherently not bad people. They're just on a completely different wavelength. And we've got nothing in common anymore. And if, and if any, any of my former friends, friend, friendship group watch interviews like this know that there is there is no resentment there's no hate or anything I'm grateful for the many wonderful occasions uh, and the the incredible experiences we had at times but it's just like you wouldn't want to be around someone you don't have anything in common with either so try not to take it too personally it's a necessary evil when it comes to healing from the stuff and it's just what I had to do Yeah, that's that. I think that goes back to that idea that I do believe that there's there can be a seasonality to when people come and go from our lives and they kind of serve serve a purpose and and then they may not have a purpose kind of anymore. But you 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 touched on just now something that you 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 brought up earlier that I want to focus on a little bit, which is you mentioned earlier this idea that like adversity has power. And I would love for you to tell me more about your thoughts on that. I heard something recently, Angie, where it linked the most successful entrepreneurs on planet Earth to a disproportionate amount of trauma growing up. And not saying that it's a prerequisite, but isn't it interesting that some of the most powerful people on planet Earth that are creating, doing good stuff I'm talking about, I'm not talking about some of this nefariousness, but like, most of them have gone through incredible adversity, whether it be 
fleeing their country during war or leaving Nazi Germany to like you just go back and start studying the backgrounds and and most of these people have endured major adversity and, and the the comparison trap you know Jordan Peterson talks about you shouldn't ever compare yourself to anyone except the person you were the day before and my message is only going to resonate with certain vibrational frequencies and your message when I'm talking about you Angie and, and the listener the, or the the watcher that's why we all have this obligation, I think, once you overcome and are overcoming a lot of this adversity to share it with the world unabashed and share it from a place of strength because when you share it from a place of victimhood, 90% of people don't care and the other 10% are really happy that it's happening to you and not them. But when you share it from this place of strength, it's super inspiring because that's where I got a lot of my inspiration from. So I'm just paying this stuff forward and I feel like, in terms of my gift from the universe, I have no choice in the matter. And I'm thankful for that because I absolutely adore what I do and really don't ever work another day in my life. All right. So actually, so we're just going to plug your podcast again, because you have to listen to the, our conversation there because it, it dives deeper into what you just said, but I've got to bring it here too, which is this idea that, so to me, if you don't face adversity, you don't know how to overcome challenges. And I think that's why that's one of the very big reasons why successful entrepreneurs have had some sort of significant precipitating event in their you know life history that both helps you weather the storm. Entrepreneurship is not is not easy. It's a roller coaster of its own. And I think you're you're more wired to weather that if you've figured out how to overcome big shit in the past. Uh, but also you you brought you hit the nail on the head with this idea that like it's paying it forward, right? So your ability to thrive through adversity, as my friend Jovan Glasgow says, is is exactly why you are a step or a half step ahead of the people that you're gonna support through it, which I think is so critical and so important and why that that somebody that has empathy for the people they're supporting can create such a, a more powerful engagement. And and to, and I think that starts to bring us into this idea that like your gifts, right? I love that you were like, I don't have I didn't have a choice in what my gifts were. However, you do have a choice in how you use them and whether you use them in the way that you are intended to use them. And a lot of times that adversity is what teaches you or shows you how that is all supposed to come together. Well, I, I 150%. And one thing I would say is that I know that a number of your listeners are interested in this knowledge around optimizing career and career decision. I'm going to share something that I think in my humble opinion, is one of the most powerful learnings that I ever came across. People go to college and they have this idea of this life that they want to, you know, and they earn the big bucks and they have, they get the family and the big house and the car. And then most of these people find themselves deeply unfulfilled. And what they're actually looking for and probably what sh they should be focusing on from the get-go is fulfillment in their job. So how do you get fulfillment, Laban? Well, through service. And, you know, if you're doing, I meet so many incredible people that do a job with, that are earning four, five, six hundred thousand, a million dollars a year, and they can't stand themselves. And they don't know why. And they use drugs and alcohol and sex and porn and gambling and all this other stuff to help, you know, and, and praying for the weekends and praying for no more Mondays. And, and what they really 
are looking for is a way to, to surf and, and, and a way to level up everyone at the same sort of place because the rising tide lifts all boats. And the reason you hear the statement all the time is because it's a principle. It's true. So that's, that's my observation. I think we've all been given these amazing God-given gifts. Once you figure out what it is, and it can take a bit of time, it's the most incredibly rewarding, fulfilling experience you could possibly imagine. If you, if you think about what I get to experience now, Angie, I get messages from either interviews I've done on the podcast, people that have read my book, or people that I've had one-on-one experiences with or feedback from podcasts or whatever, that I've never met in some cases, saying what you wrote about saved my life. What you wrote about helped me heal my relationship with my significant other. What you wrote about allowed my daughter to recover from a chronic autoimmune disease. And I I didn't do it for any of this stuff. I didn't know that this is what to expect early on. But when you are constantly given this positive feedback loop, it helps keep you on, on task. So it helps keep me accountable to myself and stay in alignment because there's a lot of people out there that expose one thing and then do another. And I'm not here to hate on or judge anyone, but it's like, would you take diet, dietitian or, or nutrition advice from a morbidly obese doctor? You wouldn't. It just, it's, I mean, some people do because they're idiots, but like, why would you do that? So take advice, take knowledge from people that are further along in your journey, in their journey than you are. And that for me has been incredibly liberating. I'm very, very fortunate, very blessed. Well, and if you would like to, you, if you would like some uh, additional data points or validation of your observations around this idea of service, one of the things that we've come across on No More Mondays in talking to people have found that fulfillment and satisfaction is that if you use your gifts in a way to serve others, that's where fulfillment comes from. And that's where the tide will come in. Mm-hmm. Right. And and I would say that's my personal experience, too. When I was able to and it was through adversity that this all became. I don't even want to say apparent. It just forced me into the one circumstance that I was going to have to use the gifts God intended me to use in the vocation I was intended to use them in, in the specific way I am supposed to show up in this world and help people. Right. So like if you'll get pushed there one way or the other, and you can either fight it or you can just get on your surfboard and ride the wave. And it's way more fun to ride the wave. Let me tell you that flail around drowning. (laughs) But I would say both my, my observation, my personal experience matches yours. Uh, Maybe we're just our own confirmation bias as we go back to that whole like question, your belief system. But I've had enough of these conversations to think that that's really something to strive for. And while it can feel a little like I use the term woo woo, I think that there's really a practical basis for all of this and and how it looks in, in reality, which brings me to how did all of this lead you to this idea of becoming your own superhero? Talk to me a little bit about world's best courage coach uh, and, and how this, how that all came to being through everything we've talked about so far. Well, the, the podcast name, I think came to me in a flash one day back in early 2020 before it started. And I'd seen so many Marvel movies and DC movies where 
a lot of young kids idolize Batman, Superman, and and these other characters. And I was like, stuff that man. Like, what about becoming your own superhero? And that it just kind of stuck. And the, the thankfully, the feedback that I've had from people that I talk to about it is largely overwhelmingly positive. People love the idea of self empowerment. I think, and you know, so that that's that's the main thing. The Podcasting Heroes is a movement that was created from a skill set that developed through adversity. So in 2018, I met my wife in September. She got pregnant within a couple of months of us meeting. And it morphed very quickly into a very dangerous situation because she had a, started to have a miscarriage and then it turned into an ectopic. For those who don't know, an ectopic is when it starts growing in the fallopian tube. Now, it ends up always miscarrying. You don't actually have a baby. It, it ends up, you end up losing it. But she spent in and out of hospital and they misdiagnosed her and she hemorrhaged internally and had a 10-centimeter blood clot and she nearly died. The, the woman of my dreams was nearly snatched away from me. It was the behavior of my two bosses. There was a female co-CEOs of this very small boutique company that were promoting all this diversity, equity, and inclusion, and with the benefit of hindsight, were super woke. The way that they treated me for having to take time to go and look after this woman, because we weren't married at that point, I was like, stuff this. I'm going out my own. So I went out my own in 2019, and 2019 was a total unmitigated financial disaster and and I use that term for effect only because it ended up being a massive blessing in disguise and you know with my tail between my legs I took a job back in February of 2020 with a recruitment company which once you've had a taste of entrepreneurship you don't want to do that and then COVID hit the blessing of COVID and I was made redundant after being there for seven weeks and I because I hadn't earned any money in 2019, I didn't qualify for any of the government handouts when we were in lockdown and Melbourne, Australia was really restricted, one of the most lockdown cities in the world. And I was like, how do I get my message out? So that's where I created the podcast. And through that, that three and a half year journey, I, I out of necessity and through force was learning how to cold outreach some of the biggest names on planet earth and invite these people on as guests of the show and then I received some really great advice from friends of mine at the end of last year saying, Laban, we love the whole world's best courage coach concept. It's a great fuel source, but we think you're the best in the world or one of the best in the world at teaching people how to reach out and connect with their dream guest, with, with, whether you've got a platform or whether you're looking to find someone to write a forward for your book or whatever it might be. And so I created this, this movement around that to it give people their own empowerment so because I'm not a famous guy. I don't know, I've got 1,300 subscribers on YouTube. i got like 1,300 people on Instagram that follow me. Um, it's not like I'm a well-known entity, but I've still yet been able to create really positive impact on big, big names. And when you realize that they put on their pants one leg at a time and still need help like the rest of us, that's a very powerful resource. So, you know, the world's best courage coach is a declaration that I made to myself that happened in 2021, which is zero to do with anything ego. It's a powerful polarization tool 
and it magnetizes the people that I want in my life and polarizes away the ones that don't resonate with that. And every single morning when I jump out of bed, I ask myself the same damn question, how would the world's best courage coach conduct himself today? And it keeps me keeps me in alignment, keeps me on task, keeps me accountable and remaining in integrity to the best of my abilities. And I ain't perfect at it because I'm a deeply flawed human being just like everybody else, but I'm pretty damn good at it. And that's that's just been a, an integral part of my journey. People don't have to like it. They don't have to understand it. But that has helped me infinitely more create impact in the world. And incidentally, the people that resonate most positively are some of the most successful people on planet Earth because they understand the kind of cojones that you need to have to go around making these kind of statements. I'm so happy you brought up the uh, made redundant piece uh, because to me, that was like the almost like the last precipice or it was your it was almost like your final jump out of the plane because the I would say the self, the life changes are what put you in a place to then to to be able to kind of start understanding adversity. And then my observation would be that this pushed off the precipice during, you know, a very challenging time in the market is what then led you to figuring out how that adversity was supposed to look to serve other people. So it's it's just about everybody we've ever talked to who's been laid off says it's one of the biggest blessings that they've ever received. And a lot of times it takes that external force to push you into whatever the here's what I'm supposed to be doing and how I'm supposed to be doing it situation. And, and I truly believe that is you being world's best courage coach in however that means to the, the people you're supporting. And one of the things I want to talk about around that is when I think about world's best courage coach, I think about this idea of helping people be more fearless, right? I, I feel like we are, have this very, I'm afraid to fail mentality in society today to, and it's, and it's hurting our ability to experience adversity and thrive through it. So talk to me about your perspective on that and how you serve people through that aspect of, of kind of courage coaching. So I created it for a couple of reasons. And as, as an entrepreneur, and you'll, you'll appreciate this and anyone else that works as an entrepreneur, will appreciate this, I hope. We wear many different hats in our role. And for people that aren't in that entrepreneurial space or don't kind of get what we do, it's really confusing when you meet someone at a cocktail party or a barbecue or whatever, and they're like, oh, hey, Angie, what are you doing? We, we go, well, I do this, I'm a writer, I pop it, and they're kind of like going, what? So when people are introduced to me or they meet me for the first time, doesn't matter what field they're in, they say, oh, hey, Laban, nice to meet you. Um, what do you do? And it's one of my favorite ever questions because I say, I'm the world's best courage coach. And then I just shut my mouth. And and 99 times out of 100, people go, wow, what does that look like? And I go, well, I teach people how to take bold, massive and courageous action so that they can facilitate their own miraculous outcomes. And I do that through my speaking, my coaching, my podcasting and my, my masterminds and my book. And it, it allows people to not feel like an idiot when when they're learning about what you do and it elicits more in-depth conversations and in many cases has led to business opportunities because they get to know, like, and trust you pretty damn quick. So that's probably one of the most important things. And, you know, you and I have spoken about your world's best declaration as well, which is the Ange Callan, the world's best 
pursuer of potential. Right. And it's- I might, I might need to change that to coach of potential saying world's best potential coach. Sounds like I'm world's best potential coach, right? Like I'm going to be, maybe be a coach, but this, you know, I'm world's best pursuer of potential. I still have never said that to Jim. So when, when, when Laban and I first met and we, he was like, you need to create your world's best statement. And I'm like, Hmm. Okay. And like an hour after we hung up, I texted you and I was like, I am world's best pursuer of potential. And he goes, you need to go in, you need to go ask your husband, Hey, ask me what I do and tell him. And I've never done it. So <laughs> now we'll have to have this discussion. Yes, However, I want to stop for a second because here's, what's really funny about this. I'm going to say 10 plus years ago when I, uh, was in one of my entrepreneurial, didn't realize it was an entrepreneurial side hustle, like direct sales stuff. I worked with a business coach for a little bit and she was a big proponent she hosted a networking event and she always had people introduce themselves in that I help people format versus the typical I am blank statement that we that is society, the societal norm and the difference between the two. And I, I want to call this out because I think this is I think it's important to know why this is such a big deal is that I am is a an absolute statement that doesn't leave any room for discussion. You've just defined yourself in, you know, very simple, straightforward terms versus saying I help people reach their full potential, make somebody go, well, wait, how do you do that? And it opens up a conversation that may lead somewhere where that absolute I am statement would not have left, which is to me, your spin on that is make yourself world's best something because that means, oh, I got to ask you about this. Well, there's a very, very important distinction, and I don't disagree with the coach any world's best declaration has to be non-quantifiable and intangible, right? Because if you, if I say to you, Angie, oh, hey, and they go, hey, Lab, nice to be on the world's best 100-meter sprinter, you look at me like I'm an idiot because unless I'm oh, Usain okay, cool. Bolt. You, you must be Usain Bolt. Right? I mean, like, come on. So, <laughs> I probably just aged myself on that <laughs> one because I'm sure there's somebody faster now. But anyway. <laughs> no, I, I, I don't know who it is if there is either. So don't feel bad. But you see the difference, like until they have an annual conference out of the Bellagio out of Las Vegas, Nevada, where they announce an official world's best courage coach, no one can really take that statement away from me because it's, it's intangible. And th- that's the thing with these world's best statements. It's really important that you, you base it on something that's non-quantifiable and intangible. And pe- you know what? People aren't going to like it. The traditional, you know, BNI networking groups, they're not going to resonate with this type of thing very much. But the people that do, and like when I made this declaration, Ange, back in Melbourne, my wife had just gone to Russia. This is in September 2021, just after the declaration. I started cold calling the CEOs of the biggest companies on the planet. I spoke to Eric Yang, who's the CEO for Zoom, very briefly, and the line was a bit iffy, so we couldn't speak. Tried calling people at Cisco and some other bigger companies. And I rang a company in Australia because it was getting late in the US. And I called a company called Hodges Real Estate. And Hodges Real Estate is the oldest real estate company in Australia. And I got the cell phone number of this, the CEO and his name's Tony. He picks up the phone and says, hi, Tony Zarka. I said, Tony, it's Laban Ditchburn from Melbourne here. He goes, oh, hi, Laban. I said, uh, he goes, have we ever spoken before? I said, no, Tony, we haven't, but today's your lucky day. And he laughs. He goes, Laban, why is it my lucky day? And I said, because, Tony, I'm the world's best courage coach, and I teach your people how to take bold, massive, and courageous actions so that they can facilitate their own miraculous outcomes. 
Well, that conversation went for about 15 minutes. He invited me back the following week, and we were still in lockdown in Melbourne, so it was all still virtual, to present and pitch for a training and coaching program. Now, bear in mind, I was $100 an hour coach back then. I'm a lot more than that now. But we jumped on the Zoom call, and I just asked him one very specific question about the direction that he wanted to take this business because he'd only been in the role about eight months. And he spoke for 45 minutes because I just shut up because Steve Hardison, known as the ultimate coach, says the power is in the listener. And in that 45 minutes, Tony Zaka revealed to me everything that I needed to know about what kind of help these guys needed and how, and if I could help them, and I could. And I let him finish. And I said, Tony, what about becoming the best real estate company in the state of Victoria? And he looked at me and sort of sort of subconsciously started nodding a little bit. And I said, well, what about becoming the best real estate company in Australia? And now he's really getting into it. And I said to him, Tony, you do realize that in order for you to have the best real estate company in Australia, you need to be the best real estate CEO in Australia. Well, less than 60 seconds later, Ange, Tony Zarka was standing out of his seat at full stretch with his arms in the air, yelling at the top of his lungs, I'm the best real estate CEO in the world. <laughs> and I pitched, I'm going to Disney World. Well, I, I pitched a quarter of a million Australian dollars, about 170,000 US dollars worth of training and coaching for a three-month program with these guys. And I had zero introduction apart from this outrageous cold call and this declaration that resonated with someone playing at that level who appreciated the audacity that I took. And you know what he said? He looked back at me and he just said, Laban, he goes, he goes, I physically do not have the liquid to invest in that right now but let me see what I can do. And it was in that moment that that glass ceiling of limiting belief just was obliterated into the stratosphere. And I realized the significance that I could make on people at that level. And it gave me this forward momentum and this confidence to be able to have these high-level conversations with people, knowing that the skill sets that I developed through my adversity was was beneficial and helpful to them and their families. And, you know, the, the Alex Formosi talks about if you want to make big money, solve rich people's problems and you make rich rich people fees. And that has been an idea that I've just run with. And I do it without any expectation of anything in return because you can't have that energy attached to it. But if you go into every single interaction in your life with what value can I add this person's life, it will completely shift everything you do for the affirmative. So hope that explains, hope that answers your question. It does. And, and what I like about what you just, well, there's lots of fun things there, right? So you made your own big, bold move, which in and of itself is a marketing pitch to calling somebody, telling them you're going to help them make a big, bold move. But what I really love about kind of, I would say the intersection of where you and I are both world's best is that courage and potential, I think goes hand in hand because you can't, reach your potential if you're not courageous about it. And a lot of these times it comes down to this very simple two words of what if we are so good about like that. You could have just not made that call because it could have been, what if he thinks I'm ridiculous? What if he laughs at me? Or he could have said, you know, what if uh, I fail and I look like a ridiculous realtor instead of becoming the CEO of the, of the, of, you know, like the best CEO in the, 
in the country, right? So it's, we are so good at worrying about what might happen that we don't have the courage to think about what might happen. And, and, and I think bringing that into perspective, like the number of times I'll talk to somebody and they'll say, well, I'd really like to do this. And I'm like, well, why aren't you doing it? What's keeping you from stepping into that? And they'll just look at me and maybe they'll have like a self-limiting belief or two that you can say, well, here's how that would look in reality. Here's the worst case scenario. Worst case scenario, you just go get another job, you know, like if you're thinking about starting something up. But to me, that the point it there is there is a sense of boldness that comes from making courageous decisions that help you reach your, your potential to do the work you're supposed to be doing in this world. It goes down to one thing, Ange. How would the world's best courage coach conduct himself? And when you when you make a declaration, it comes with the responsibility. That is the behavior of someone who is the world's best courage coach. And it can take a little bit to get your head around it. If you're creating your own world's best statement, I promise you, you will encounter the imposter syndrome a little bit when you first say it. There's, there'll be some conditioning, some limiting beliefs. Just persist with it. And like I said to you, you know, run it by your spouse. Get them to ask you what you do. And if they are a good human being, right, <laughs> that, that'll help get you some really powerful feedback. And do with it what you want, right? Play as big or as small as you want. But, like, we get one crack in this iteration on planet Earth. I want to witness my legacy while I'm still alive. So... I have to do bold, outrageous, and courageous things to, to elicit those kind of outcomes. I, I I love that. Like, what would a what would world best world's best courage coach do or act like? Who do I need to become to achieve X? Or who do I need to be in order to achieve that goal or uh, align with my declaration? Uh, which is super cool. And as, as far as legacies go, you have a book. I do. Yeah. <laughs> Tell us more. Thanks. You like that? You like that transition? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I don't deliberately keep this here, but I've got my, um, I've got a, my, this is my first ever copy from the first print um, edition. And I wrote uh, in the, inside the cover, Laban's number one copy of bet on you arrived 23rd of December, 2021 in Playa del Carmen, Mexico. You'd think I would have written something a bit more profound in the book, but um, the book the book was a, absolutely a divine download and that was through the back of the podcast and making an outrageous cold call to Les Brown. Now, for those that have heard of Les Brown, you'll appreciate this even more, but if you haven't, when you finish watching this, go to YouTube and search L-E-S Brown. And you won't have a bad day, I promise you. And he was a hero of mine for a very long time. And he came on my show when I had eight episodes and about 10 subscribers. And, folks, this guy is someone who charges about $70,000 an hour for a one-hour keynote, if you if you can get him. And he came on the show and I asked him what he thought of the name of the podcast, Become Your Own Superhero. And he just absolutely humbled me with how amazing he spoke about what it meant to him and I was so endeared to this wonderful man that I just verbally diaried my story of transformation to him and he just listened with the patience of a saint 
listening, being a powerful listener is also a strong characteristic of charisma, by the way, if you want to be more charismatic. And he just said to me, congratulations, when I finished. I said, thanks, Les. He goes, do you have a book? And I said, no. He goes, if you're going to be a speaker, Laban, you'll need a book to help with your credibility. And I said, okay. He goes, who was the most influential person in your life when you were five years of age? And a question I'd never been asked before, and I was like, was it my grandmother? Was it my... And I realized something, despite the really dysfunctional relationship I had with my mother, it was her. He goes, well, what did your attributes do you get from your mother? And I was like, man, she was unconditionally loving and she was spiritual and tenacious and he's writing all this stuff down. He finishes writing, Ange, and he looks up at me and cocks his head looking down the camera and he says, Laban, this is a God moment. He said, I'm going to show you how to monetize your purpose. For the next 10 minutes, Ange, he reads back to me the blueprint for this book he wants me to call it, Bet on You Because of My Degenerate Pathological Gambling. He said, Laban, you're going to write the book. You're going to turn the book into a keynote speech. You're going to turn that keynote into a three-day retreat. And even if you muck this up, you're going to make multiple six figures this year. He said, and I'm going to interview you on my show, which is his platform has 4 million followers. And I'm going to write the forward for your book. Now, this was mid-May 2020, middle of the strictest lockdowns. We still had curfews from 9.30 to 5.30 uh, a.m., and I said, Les, if you're going to write the forward to my book, I'll have it to you by June 30, 2020. Like, I'd never written anything in my life. I never finished high school. I never went to college. never done anything like this. And he goes, I'm going to hold you to that, Laban. And I got off this call and my wife had been in the lounge room watching me record this and I was just tears in my eyes. And then I realized I had to write this book in six weeks, Ange. I pumped out 33,000 words of the first draft and delivered it to Les's inbox as promised at 8.30 p.m. on June 30, 2020 and completely changed my life in the process. And I don't know about you, but getting your book endorsed by a former hero and now friend, someone who I'm honored to say that we've been invited and had dinner at his home with him, just Anna him and I, where Anna was able to serve, where he broke down into tears with some family stuff that was going on and Anna was able to comfort him and we were able to share ideas that were able to benefit who is regarded as the one of the greatest transformational speakers of our generation. This is the power of stepping into your greatness, using that gift of adversity and realizing that what people think of me is none of my spiritual business, to quote the great man Les Brown. Uh, you just you just summarized the exact punchline. I'm si- I'm sitting here thinking when you when you step into this, the resources, whether they're human, whether they're financial, whether they're knowledge, come, and it, it is amazing what types what types of doors open when all this. It's the word alignment is really what comes to mind, right? When this kind of alignment f- uh, falls into place, it's it just everything keeps perpetuating the outcome or the goal or, or the situation that you're in. 
you know, the alchemist, I love the alchemist, the book. I just reread it last week. Um, you know, when you have a goal and you set that goal, the universe will conspire to help you make it happen. And I think that, that what comes out of that is just absolutely a beautiful thing. And you will continue to grow through that in ways you never expected, uh, or never would have otherwise. So I love that. I love the book story. I didn't even, I hadn't heard that before. So that was a, a new fun, <laughs> fun thing for me. And as we talk about bringing people into our fold and helping serve and, and, and the positivity and all that kind of stuff, how do people find you? How do they find the book? How do we, how do we follow Laban's journey? Well, the, the book is consumable in paperback, Kindle, and in my dulcet tones on Audible um, for those who, who like it. And I will warn you, it's pretty outrageous. So if you're easily shocked, I'll just let you make an adult decision about what you want to do. But for anyone that resonates with the podcasting heroes component, like if you've got a platform or you're thinking about creating a podcast, and you want to compress time and figure out a way to get access to the people that you want to have in your network, and they could be A-list in whatever genre. Um, get the free training at podcastingheroes.com. But for everything else, Laban Ditchburn is the rarest combination of those names on planet Earth. So find your favorite <laughs> web browser, punch it in, and let, let God and the universe direct you to the thing that you need the most. You you do have a very good marketable superhero name. I will I will say that. And and as we say goodbye to you for now, which I'm I'm sad to do, I want to give everybody out there one last little piece of, of inspiration. So if you're ready, here we go. What is your number one piece of advice on what someone out there can do to get one step closer to career and life satisfaction? Without any shadow of any doubt, Angie, fix your diet, predominantly animal-based, heal your gut, and allow the body to provide the vehicle that you'll need to go and do all the learning and discovering that you need to do to fulfill your purpose. That's a great suggestion. And actually, he, Laban and I dig deeper into that when on in, in my talk with you on your podcast, because it's amazing to me when you get into this entrepreneurial journey, how oftentimes the physical component is something you end up focusing on because you want to have the stamina. You want to be a healthy body to carry out the really important work that you're doing. And I don't know that that has ever been the last piece of advice that we leave on. And so I think it's a great, it's a great, very practical thing, right? Start small, swap out something unhealthy for something healthy. And you'll be amazed at how much more energy you have to consider what your superpower is in this world. Amen. Thank you, Angie. I greatly appreciate it. Love being here with you today. And what you and Jim are doing is very special. So if you haven't go and rate this podcast, share it with someone you care about and do the needful as they say in India. <laughs> I love it. There you go. I don't even have to do my outro because Laban just did it for me, but I will let all of you know and remind you that you can go to nomoremondays.info and get the uh, links if you you know can't figure out how to spell Laban's creative name, right? So we'll get all the links uh, to the book, to his podcast, 
all the good things at nomoremondays.info. And you know, we would love a five-star rating because it helps podcasters like us keep doing this, keep bringing these stories that help people's lives, get them one step further and all the other really good stuff that we're doing to serve others. So I appreciate your time. Thank you for sharing your story, your wisdom and being part of the No More Mondays movement. Thanks so much. See you soon. I will see you next week, everybody, for another edition of No More Mondays podcast. Thanks for joining us for another episode of No More Mondays. Tune in next week as we bring you more insights and actions to help you improve your life and career. Don't forget, visit us online at nomoremondays.info to get all the details, show notes, and recommendation from this episode. No More Mondays. We drop new episodes every Wednesday. No More Mondays is brought to you by Career Benders, Inc. in partnership with executive producer Jane Durkee. For more information about career coaching, resume writing, personal branding, recruiting, and entrepreneurship coaching services, visit us online at careerbenders.com.